Well, I uh, started thinking of uh, the time of the year, new beginnings. So I thought, well, I'll call this sermon to start the new year. <laughs> and we could add the 2021 if we want to, but that may date us sometime. But um, uh, the main title would be to start the new year. We uh, think of people that have new plans, new uh, uh, phase of life, a uh, new diet. People talk about things that they want to do. Uh, so they have uh, uh, new commitments that they're going to make. There's, uh, we need to make a new commitment to our Heavenly Father every so often. It seems like mankind, if you practice something for a certain number of days, it'll become yours. You'll, you'll do it. It's just two weeks. <laughs> 21 days. 21 days. If you uh, uh, practice something and keep going at it, uh, it'll become a habit and, and you will be easier to stay with it, to keep it. If I can keep this thing going. <laughs> it's gone. Okay. Um, that might bring it back. Okay. Um, to make a vow to serve God better, to do things better for the Lord, and to keep a vow. Uh, scriptures talk about when you do make a vow, you need to keep it. You need to live with it. You need to stay, stay faithful to it. And uh, it, it is a type of vow when we say, okay, a new year, I'm going to do this and this and this, and I'm going to keep this standard going for years, hopefully. And uh, uh, many people will go for a few weeks, maybe a month, and then they start forgetting it or have an excuse or something happens in life, um, gardening or tree planting or something gets in the way, and all of a sudden their uh, well-laid plans don't seem to work and they, they lose out and they, uh, they forget their commitment that they made. Well, we hope that that's not what we're going to do and that we're going to hang on to it, to a commitment. Uh, what type of thing? Church attendance. People can really lose out in a hurry. They forget. And in a few days or weeks, all of a sudden, uh, church is not important. And this virus or spring cold, spring flus, you know, you name it, whatever it is, it just doesn't take very long and people have forgotten uh, how, they, how much they love to come to church, how much they love the brotherhood and the friendship, companionship. Another one that's very difficult to keep up on, I guess, is Bible reading and Bible study. Uh, my wife and I both, uh, in our young life, it was just a habit to go Wednesday nights just a habit, and we gained by it. It got into a routine, and, and it would have been odd if you didn't do it, and so on. It's, it becomes a very blessed thing to do, to have a weekly Bible study. Um, so I got a, a, a book along. I want to talk a little bit about Bible study. Uh, but it should be kept, and it should be upheld, uh, a commitment. If we make a commitment that we're going to do Wednesday night, or we're going to do more Bible reading, or we're going to read through the Bible in a year or two years, whatever plan a person has and how much time they have uh, per day, 
it should be a daily thing. It's probably easier to do that way to stay with it because it's routine. Again, you do it every day and you'll make it. Uh, I guess it's figured out about 20 minutes a day, uh, whether you read a little in the morning, a little at night or something like that. But uh, 20 minutes a day and you'll read all the way through the Bible in a year. You know me, I talk about the recorded <laughs> MP3 or um, uh, audio cassette or record players and so on, different things that can be used. And then uh, uh, the, uh, it encourages the faithfulness to a cause. Sometimes it's listened to in the morning, sometimes uh, in the evenings when people would do it uh, and you want to have uh, a surety that, uh, that it'll be a continuity with you, it'll be a natural thing for you to do. Okay, um, the faithfulness in support or a vow to support the Lord's work. Uh, I can remember when my family didn't, we were very poor and um, slowly but surely somehow they did support because I can remember very young on sermons on, on tithing and support of the church, giving offerings and so on. Um, so that should become a natural as well. And if we make a vow to be faithful, that's part of it, support and tithing. Um, the tenth of all of our income is the way it's worded in the scriptures, the tenth uh, or tithe, which is a tenth. The same, same word can be used either way. But will they? Sometimes we make a commitment at the beginning of the year, oh yes, I'm gonna change this year, this is the way it's gonna be for the next year or longer or always, but will they? Uh, the 10th part of our increase is the way the Bible puts it as well. Increase. Um, if you were a farmer, and not everybody is nowadays, and you had so many cattle and so many of this and so many fruit trees and so many vegetables from the garden and, and all of these things that you could talk about as increase to your wealth, to your well-being, you need to uh, give a tenth of all of that. And the Bible explains it actually very well. Um, if you look in the scriptures, look in uh, uh, Bible reading at home, or if you're... Uh, uh, reading through the Bible or looking up on a computer, look up special words that will give that to you. It makes it uh, more to stick to you, to be natural for you to obey and follow. Uh, God wants us to return to him the tithe. Return to him. So in other words, it didn't belong to us at all. We got it from God and we're just returning it to him, giving it back to him. So that's a way of looking at that as well. And the 10th part of your increase uh, to be our act of love towards him. We appreciate the Heavenly Father. We appreciate what he does for us. We marvel at his creation that he gave to us and all the other things. You can go down a list on, on things that have been acquired one way or another with the help of God. Uh, and gifts or something. And then you realize those have lasted for years and years and years. And uh, some we don't want to even give up <laughs> when they are no longer of value. So, uh, but we marvel at what God gives us and how well it has worked for us. We need to remind ourselves to give that prayer of thanks. Um, 
what, what a blessing it is um, to receive when, when you're giving tithe and God is giving you blessings. And then when you don't give tithe and you realize you lost the blessings, that would be bad. There's a lot of scriptures about that too, about putting money in pockets with holes in it or uh, the, the destroyer will come and get it, you know, take it away from you because you didn't give God thanks uh, and give a tenth part of it. We owe it to him, or rather it is his. Tithe is his. And we'll find a verse or two here shortly. Uh, of our increase, we, uh, we received it from him and then we need to return it to him. We owe it, but if we want to withhold it, you know, God is so kind to us. We should not withhold it. But he's actually made a provision that if you need it in a, some drastic thing happens and you weren't prepared and um, God's blessing hadn't arrived yet, you might say, we don't want to be like some of the examples, bad examples in the scriptures. But uh, if something happens and we, we borrow from the Lord, we borrow from our tithe, it's actually got a provision for us to be able to do that. But if we borrow from the tithe, we need to add a, um, a fifth part. Look that up in your, in your uh, computers. Fifth part. Those two words. You'll get a half a dozen verses at least saying that if you borrowed from that money that you should have given, when you actually get around to paying it, you need to pay a fifth part more. That's actually 20% more, right? Whoa. But God is giving leeway. He's saying it's okay, but here's the rule. You know, <laughs> If you give it when you're supposed to, it's just a tenth of all of your income. But you're supposed to add a fifth part to it if you don't do it in the right time frame and for the right reasons. So you're giving it back to God uh, what has already been his. And uh, he's given you the power and the abilities to accomplish that. Uh, fifth part payment, yeah, 20%. I wrote that down on here too. Okay, on the next page is where I start with some of the Bible verses. And I've got them on the computer. If I can tell it to wake up again. <laughs> oh, it might. <laughs> Let's see. Press that again. Yep, it's going to do that way. And I'm back in order. Okay, and at the top of the page, I started it with Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. So this will kind of follow what I've already talked about, okay? That uh, there was 13 verses, I guess, and I only chose, what, three of them, something like that. But in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it reads this way. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's, and it is holy unto the Lord. So this specifies a couple of things, the trees, the seeds, and so on. Well, we know the animals would be included in this and um, other things that we gain from the, from the Lord. You see, there's... Technology is taking us that if we had a river running through our land, we can change it into electricity and we can use it over there, which is an advantage of not buying it from somebody else. So actually we have gained something. There's something there to tithe from our own water generator on the land. 
There's, there's reasons for these things that, that can easily fit our day. When we go to work every day and we get paid, no problem. We know exactly what the increase is. If you were farming, oh, I was going to get to that too. If it, in the regular farming, you're allowed to subtract from your income that you're going to pay taxes on. You subtract your gasoline to run your tractor. That makes sense. That's not an increase. That was a loss to get the gain of the increase. Well, we can do the same for the Lord's work and say, okay, it took me thus and thus in order to earn this money that's coming my way. And if we wanted to be close, <laughs> if we want to make sure God doesn't get more than he's supposed to, <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's a wrong thing to be thinking, isn't it? But uh, if we wanted to subtract some part of our clothing or some part of our uh, coats and things that were needed for the job that we worked at, or other equipment, we could subtract that from our increase. So it wasn't all increase. But usually it's better not to cut God too short because you're gonna receive blessings on what you give and give it cheerfully. So let's keep going in verse 31. And if a man will at all redeem aught of his tithes, he shall add unto it a fifth part thereof. So redeem means you, you need to take it back. You need to keep it from actually giving it you. You're buying it back in a way, and that costs you the fifth part. Verse 32, and consider, and cons considering the tithe of the herd and of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. You can carry this a little further, right? If you take the seed and you divide it, you say this is the tenth part, that becomes holy. If it's an animal and you say this is the tenth animal, I'm gonna set that aside for the Lord, that's holy. Wow, what about the money when you divide the money and say this is the tenth part? It's not just ordinary coins, it's holy, belongs to God. So verse 33, and he shall not search whether it be good or bad, whether it, uh, neither shall he charge, change it. And if, darkening. Well, I'll go back here. Neither shall he change it, and if he change it at all, so you're really not supposed to, uh, but both it and the change thereof shall be whole, holy. It shall not be redeemed. So if you had an animal come through and you said, oh, I don't want to give that one as a tenth. I'm going to set that one aside and I'm going to use that for breeding or I'm going to use it for this or this or this. It's just a special animal. Um, God says, no, wait a minute. You substituted something else to make that tenth. So that tenth becomes holy, and the one that you substituted is holy. <laughs> we need to use this in our day too. You know, think about what do we separate for the Lord? What do we say that this is my, my vow to God that I'm going to tithe and, and put aside this money in a jar or whatever? Um, that money becomes holy. You can't just say, well, I'm going to take this money and I'll buy something, something, you know. Uh, no, it's holy. You need to be make sure that that gets to God. And if you detain it for a while, 
you probably run into that idea of the 20%, the fifth part. So go with me now to Deuteronomy chapter uh, 8. Yeah, chapter 8, Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I'm going to read 11 and then verse 18. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments, his statutes, which I command thee this day. Wow. So when we're dealing with God, he says, don't forget me. Don't forget your statements, your standards, your vows, your new uh, uh, commitment for the year or for the new year. You know, it sounds kind of nice. Okay, I'm going to make a commitment here, uh, thus and thus and thus. And then God says, don't forget. I don't want you to forget and forget his commandments and his judgments and his standards, statutes. You know, we need to read them to find out what they are. That's a good reason for reading the scriptures. So in that same chapter now, that's chapter 8, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let's read verse 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. The fathers in this case was the, um, the main men of the country, not your ancestry line. It's like the fathers of, of, of uh, America, the fathers of the Republic, or the fathers of this or that. Uh, he's saying back in those days when they were serving God correctly, they're the fathers of this religion or of this faith, or the fathers of the country that was involved. And he said, um, you, you realize that this is where your wealth came from. This is where your Blessings were coming from because they served God. They lived faithful and you are blessed because of their faithfulness. Okay, so establish the covenant. We need to establish a covenant with God saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to serve you correctly. I'm going to live right. I'm going to do this and this for the cause of Christ and, and then stay with it and pass it down to your children. Tell them to stay with it because it was a family heritage. Okay, then let's go to another one here in Malachi chapter 3. And sometimes we use Malachi chapter 4. But so <laughs> I want 3 this time. Malachi 3, 7 through 11. It's not that long of a reading. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye say, wherein shall ye return? No, no, wait a minute. You made a commitment at one point, and you forgot it. And he's telling you, go back. Go back to God's ordinances and keep them. Do what he would like you to do. Live righteously and properly, because that's what you said originally that you would do, or your ancestry said that that's what they would do. Um, my parents made a commitment at one time, and they passed that commitment on to me to love the Lord and to read the scriptures, to understand the scriptures, to be baptized and so on. Um, I need to remember that and return to God 
turn back to God. Then a question comes up saying, how did this get here in verse eight? Will a man rob God? Uh oh, now connect those two together and say, now wait a minute, you made a commitment sometime way back there that you were gonna obey my standards, my statutes, my standards, my vows, my laws, and tithing fell into that basket. Whoops. <laughs> so where will you, will a man rob God? That's foolishness. But he's asking, yet ye have robbed me. You say, what? How? But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Verse 9. Ye are cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Wow. Now all I did was forgot God. Oh, I'm supposed to get back, right? Get back to God. But he says, you've actually robbed me from the tithes and offerings that were supposed to be committed to the cause. So let's go to, uh, the, the whole nation did, the whole nation that, that was of that time frame, the children of Israel. Verse 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat or money and stores, stores of goods, seeds and so on, uh, vegetables, all kinds of things in mine house. And that would be the storehouse next to the church, you might say in those days in the temple where there was probably a cool room and there's stores in there for the church workers. So you'd bring the things into there and you're gonna bring that, right? And then he says, and, and what? And prove me now wherein saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be a, be, sometimes the words are a little left or right. <laughs> the knot gets in a different place. That there shall not be room enough to receive it. So you give back to God, not with the idea how much you're gonna get, but actually God saying it's okay. You can remember that. I did this for God. What's he going to do for me? And you don't ask, okay, I gave $10. I'm supposed to get such and such back. No, that's, that's the wrong way around. <laughs> okay. But it's okay to remember that you gave to, to the Lord. Anyway, then he says, uh, uh, he's going to give you blessings that there'll not be room to receive it. I marvel sometimes at the silliest things. We, we end up uh, loving pencils or something. I, I always did. And all of a sudden I realized God has overloaded me with pencils. I got them from everywhere. Then I must have loved pens because of the color and this and that and the type of roller pens and quill pens and stick pens and you name it. I must have loved them because God gave me an overabundance of pens that just seemed to come to my home <laughs> for the night's rest or something. But I sure got a lot of pens and pencils and things. Rulers, slide rules and you name it, I got too much and I don't know how to give them away. I don't know who to give them to. Nobody's gonna love them like I do because God gave them to me and they were a thing between me and God. Think, wow, this is really different. But he says, there, there won't be room to receive it all. You know, as you grow year by year, especially if you stay in one place and don't move, 
Oh, the boxes. <laughs> and some people call it hoarding. Well, no, not really. They just arrived. And I forgot to pass them along. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Amazing what God has given us. And verse 11 is a real good blessing coming from the Heavenly Father. Verse 11. And I will, re I will rebuke the destroyer for your sake. Who's that? Well, Satan's one of them. But how about the bugs and other things that will destroy mold and so on that can destroy what you've got for, for a reason. For your sake, he would rebuke them. He wouldn't allow them to be there. Wouldn't cause trouble, stop them from causing trouble. So uh, uh, for your sake, because you obeyed God and served God, he's going to do it for your sake. And he shall not destroy the fruit of thy ground, neither shall he shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Whatever you're growing, uh, flowers, vegetables, food, animals, whatever is coming your way, um, the fruit season and so on, he's going to make sure that it's protected. He's going to stop the destroyer from ruining those things, the mold and the other stuff, so that you'll have a good crop. And that's a blessing from God. So in other words, you give 10%, how much do you get back? Probably a lot more than 10%. <laughs> he said, oh, try me. I'll open the windows of heaven. You know, and you got to let that sink in a little bit and say, wow, okay, we've paid tithe, but then we got back so much more in this and so much more in that. One of my little jokes that I usually say is, how much longer does your toothpaste last? You forget to measure out, you know. Well, okay, I bought it at this time and I gave me so many squirts so I can brush my teeth. Did I get 10% more? Well, I don't think you want to do all the calculations and run around with a piece of paper. But I bet God is doing it all along. And I've noticed it. Some of my cans of, you know, whatever, <laughs> sprinkle-ons or whatever, uh, some of those things and the toothpaste seemingly last and last and last. And I'm just amazed at what God has been doing and giving to me. So that's, that's that topic. And I want to switch gears here just a little bit about commitment, some more in commitment uh, to the Heavenly Father. But I brought along, I think I did, right here, yeah. This little booklet, this little book. You know, I, I like this guy and I'm not saying that he's perfect in every sentence that he writes. This is Halley's Bible Handbook. The middle age, not the very earliest ones and not the latest version of it, but the ones in between uh, are very, very nice to have. And you can get them for $8 instead of the regular prices. So uh, in here I found the habit of Bible reading. Oh, sometimes we need somebody else to just come along and smack the side of the head and say, this is what you ought to be doing. And here it is. He tells why and how and how often and how you can get it done, what ways to do it so that you stay faithful in Bible reading. Tells about how important Bible reading is. Very good uh, sentences and statements in here. Uh, I want to get one more thought down here a little further. But uh, we need to be encouraged sometimes. Every Christian ought to be a Bible reader. 
Wow, yes. You don't usually get that out of some, some books, do they? They'd rather you didn't read so they could tell you something and you'd take it as a fact when it, <laughs> when it was stretched or something. But we need to be Bible readers. Regardless of whether you're in government or in uh, churches or in homes or schools or teachers, or and he goes on and on in here, there's a reason for everybody to be reading the Bible. The habit of going to church is an act of worship to God. This one jumped up and bit me many years ago when somebody said the neighbors were watching. They left every Sabbath morning and went to church. And they said, you're faithful to your church. You're faithful to your cause or to your belief system. and You're faithful. And they were watching. That's a testimony. That's witnessing. Very good. And that's what he gets at in, in this page in here on that topic, being faithful. So if you make a vow on something like that, stay faithful to it because somebody's probably watching, saying he must really believe that because he's doing it. Then they've got on here uh, resolutions that could be made. It was very interesting the way it was worded. We need to be a little different in some places if we were doing it uh, because of the difference in faith or faithful teachings. But one thing he says, I hereby pledge myself that, and they wrote something in. If you write it down, you're more likely to keep it. You can go back and look and say, oh yeah, at that point in my life, I really did make a solemn commitment to do thus and thus. And one on here, he's got then, I will go to church. And he adds, and I'll be on time. That's the next bold letters. I will be on time. I will reverence. The, uh, I will be reverent in the church. Um, I can remember when, boy, people used to really get scolding young people that would run in the church building. That wasn't reverence to the building. God is there only when we are there. The Holy Spirit doesn't just hang around and waste time, you know. <laughs> The Holy Spirit is here when we're here. God is here when we're here. Christ is here. They're listening to our praises and our honors uh, that we do. So we need to be reverent. Not that the building itself and the pews are reverent. That's not the idea. It's just the place of worship and it should be solemn and quiet. When you go into a funeral home, it's always solemn and quiet, right? It's just honoring what goes on in that building. And our life, and all my life, I will be a reader of God's word. That's a suggested resolution. Not neat. That would be really good to do that. So just, I thought that I'd bring it up that this is outside of faithful circles, you might say, and yet great words of admonition. Okay, I want to go to uh, another part here. Commitment. Committing ourselves. Uh, I looked up the word uh, commit first, and in Psalm 37 5, it says, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. When we're making a vow, virtually, virtually is what it is, right? You're committing, you're saying, I'm making a commitment before God, I'm going to do this and this and this. 
or I want to do this and God will make sure it comes to pass. That's a fantastic blessing there. Another one is in uh, Proverbs 16 verse 3. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Even things like what we're doing as a job and activities and so on, God will bless those things too and our thoughts shall be established. We'll have true thinking, true reasoning, true understanding because God is there helping. And then besides commitment, we could be using a word called submit. There's quite a few times that submit is used. Quite often it's the wrong kind of submit and the same goes for commitment. Some are not committing or some are going the wrong way with commitment. But this is in James chapter 4 and verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. We could put a big period there and a punctuation mark of some kind. We could stop at that point and it would be a complete idea and thought. But it carries on saying, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. We'd like both. Okay. <laughs> so we need to submit ourselves to God because then we will have this ability to get Satan out of our way and to resist him, to stop him from making trouble. Then I thought about some other word that would help us to understand where this would go, what the, how this would help us. And I ran into this word, yield. Oh. Quite often we hear, yield yourselves unto Christ or you yield to the cause of this or that. Uh, this verse in Romans 6 and verse 13 says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Whoa, that's good advice. Don't let that happen. Your, your hands, your eyes, your voice, your speech, your habits, your behavior, don't let them be used by Satan. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So we're saying, don't act like you're dead. You've been brought out of dead. You've been brought to life in Jesus Christ. So don't act like the old way. Act like a new way. And your members then, your hands, fingers, eyes, ears, nose, mouths, uh, your senses, your abilities, your strengths um, of character and all of that, don't let it go to pieces. Don't let it go away on you but commit it to God as instruments of righteousness unto God. Also in that same chapter down a few verses, verse 16, it says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey? Oh, I like to stop in the middle of that too. Are we yielding ourselves, our bodies, our hands, our nose, face, eyes, whatever, in the wrong things? or to the good things. So think on that as we go to the second half of this too, but I'll start over. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So if we yield to Satan, our our good things that we have going for us are going to the wrong place. We're yielding to the wrong thing. Because we've been brought out of that, 
we should yield ourselves to the Heavenly Father. Um, and if you're yielding to them, then that means that you are a servant to them or a slave to them. Wow. Drugs, alcohol. Talked with a fellow this last week about smoking and so on. Um, that's a yielding to something that will make you a slave, ruin your health and so on. Um, that is wrong. Sin unto death. It's even a sin unto death. But we should be doing it the other way around. We should be doing for obedience to the Heavenly Father. Okay. Um, so then I got to thinking, you know, if we're submitting ourselves, yielding ourselves to something like to Christ, I need to go one step further. For some here, maybe, but maybe more so with people too that are listening this through the internet. They need to know where we stand on this topic and also on how to get right with the Lord. So we could look at uh, uh, what do you do next? When you've made a decision to yield to the Heavenly Father, you've made a commitment to, uh, to be committed to God and to read the scriptures, well, what, what's next? You start and maintain Bible reading. Now that doesn't sound so bad because you don't want to join something, even in baptisms and so on, without knowing what you're doing. That wouldn't make sense. So you need to read the scriptures. You need to know about the Heavenly Father. You need to know about Christ. You need to know about Satan. You need to know about the bad guys. Okay? So very soon on, when you start making a commitment to God, we need to be doing Bible reading. And you can start at Genesis, or you can start at Matthew, or you can start at John. Many people recommend John as a place to start. But you need to get it done, get going. Uh, make a resolution. Uh, to um, to get it done, to work on it and get it done. Uh, put it on uh, on the mirror. They, some people make little stickers and they stick it on a mirror in the bathroom or they put it on the fridge or they put it on a window or a door where you're going to go in and out. Put it on your car window on the inside probably so it doesn't blow away. <laughs> but uh, you need to put it somewhere where you're going to see it all the time that you're going to do that. You can start a class uh, on your own or online or something, but there's, there's um, uh, in Halley's book, there's even lists of what you could read for where to start and how far to go and what's in those books, what's, what's in the books that you're going to go through. So you have an idea of what you're going to be studying. And all of it is gaining. Actually, there's a lot of books from Christian bookstores on where to start, what you'll find there, and uh, what are interesting things to remember uh, about the scriptures and about God and about the, the Bible. You need to learn something about prayer. It so happens that I'm working on a Sabbath school lesson on prayer and it's getting into five pages and probably six pages. <laughs> but of course in, in church here, we don't go through zing. We might take six weeks to get through six pages and that's all right, that's good. <laughs> okay. We want to see it when we're there, not just blow by it. Uh, we need to think on the verses that say all are sinners. That's where everybody starts. Adam and Eve sinned and it's been passed on down. God has the, God is ready. 
God is ready to forgive us of sins. All may be saved now and do it. That's a good advice, the best advice. When you know about salvation, you know about uh, asking for forgiveness of sin, do it. Get it prayed. Talk with somebody if you need to. Uh, your resolution at the start of the year could be just that, that you're going to make a decision for Christ and that you're going to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You need to be reading the Bible because one thing for sure, when we got to uh, the Acts of the Apostles and, and Philip went to the eunuch and he uh, was told to go there and he said uh, a personal greeting, kind of a small greeting, and, and he said, uh, what are you reading? And he told him, and that's at that very point in the scriptures is where Philip started. So let me tell you about that. He previously read it, right? <laughs> he knew about Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. He had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So he started explaining to him, that's a great verse. And then when the, uh, something happened in the eunuch's heart, and he was thinking, wow, I got to get right with God. That's the commitment. That's our New Year's resolution type thing. He said, I got to do something about this. So he said, um, could I be baptized? Where'd you get that idea? From the Bible. <laughs> and he said, here's water, meaning a lake or a river, probably a lake, a pond. And he said, uh, what hinders me from being baptized? And he said, well, you may if it is your choice. This was not a baby being sprinkled with no choice of what he was doing, no understanding of what he was doing. This is a, meant to be a person of age enough to know what they're doing and to ask for baptism, to ask for Jesus Christ to be in their hearts. They need to be of age enough. Well, he was, of course. And he said, here is my, uh, my commitment. He said, I, I do want it. I want to be baptized. And right away... Uh, uh, Philip said, sure, let's go down and I'll baptize you. They both went down into the water. It wasn't a spoonful or a salt shaker full of water. He went down into the water and he baptized him and um, prayed for him probably there before and after. And uh, moments later, Philip was gone. This was a God thing. <laughs> and he, uh, he was known to be in such and such a place immediately, which was about 30 miles away. So transportation from God, wow. So if we look at some uh, helps along the way as to what you could do with these ideas of salvation, the idea of all those sinners, there's a number of verses in uh, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and another verse in verse 10, uh, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's nobody with a free Gideon free ticket, you know. Um, Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, All we, as like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid, him, laid on him the iniquity of us all. That means Jesus Christ. The sins of the world were on Jesus when he went to the cross to die for us. So he had the sins of the world of iniquity was on him. Then we need to think of God's remedy for sin. 1 Corinthians 
15, uh, verse 3 through 4. For I believe, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received of, uh, pardon me, received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That would be a commitment to what was being said at that place, but also we should be able to find other examples in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to be able to say, yes, that really did happen. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is Christ in each one of these parts of this. Christ was the one that took the sin and uh, was made sin for us that we could have righteousness. And then in uh, Ephesians 1 and verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, through Christ's blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace, Christ's grace and the Heavenly Father's grace. But uh, that's how we receive salvation, by grace. Then uh, all may be saved now. That's why I said we should do it immediately when we know better. So Romans 10, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not sometime later, early, you know, it's not uh, anything being withheld. It can be done now and it can be saved, period. It can be once uh, lived up to and once believed in, and it can be happened. You can be saved. And in Ephesians 2 and 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not how much you can do for God, it's what he's already done for you. And then you may want to give back to God in a numerous ways, One's working for him, witnessing for him, and so on. Okay, and then in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. On this sheet of paper that I have, the next thing on the list is my decision to receive Christ as my Savior. I was just talking about a decision a new uh, um, situation for New Year's, make a decision and a commitment. So you would say something, write something down for yourself. You don't have to use words that somebody else wrote down. You just think on what's been happening in your life. But you'd write a decision saying, I'm confessing to God. Some such words. That I am a sinner. This is before you've accepted Christ and before you've been baptized, before you're saved. I am a sinner. I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for my sins on the cross, either by somebody explaining the scriptures to you or by you reading them yourself, right? That's only the, the only way that you can actually say, I believe this, okay? Because I read it in the scriptures and I believe what the scriptures say, okay? Um, that he died for my sins on the cross. Because you have to know the story then about what the cross means. 
and was raised for my justification. It's raised from the dead for my justification to be forgiven and being justified. I do now receive and confess him as my personal savior. While I was looking this up and reading this to myself at home, I found two other ways of wording it or more because you see, I keep some things like that. These, these papers all have other commitments on them, other ways of wording it. So it's not awkward or unusual to make a commitment and write it out and sign it. My cousin said that she was visiting her dad in his sick bed and with a little tiny Bible, she read him these verses after talking to him quite a bit and after many visits and he was able to put his name on there and put a date on it. He committed himself to Christ while he was in sick bed type thing, ready to die. Amazing, amazing. And then there's always verses after this on the assurance that you are a believer and that you've made it right with God and that you're gonna live right because of what you're doing. So that's where I need to end for today. The idea of a New Year's commitment, yes. But there's other things that we need to commit to as well when we're saying, I'm gonna do this and we make ourselves right with the Lord and then we live right and do things that are right and, and witness to others just by our behavior and mannerisms. May God bless you.